Hey, it's, uh, it's great to be back in the room. As Vivian said, uh, my name is Jake, and I'm super excited to be back. In a lot of ways, Woodstock City feels like home, um, but I'm really excited. I, know, I don't know a lot of you, and so I wanna make sure to introduce myself. And I wanna do that classic thing that sometimes guest speakers and pastors do where they'll show you a picture of their cute little family and their two and a half kids and their dog and the picket white fence. And so um, I went to my phone and started looking for a good picture. And as I was scrolling through, I came to the realization that um, I don't have any of those things. And so... Instead, I brought this photo of myself at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Any Cracker Barrel lovers in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I'm in good company. This was the, uh, the first day that the, uh, the fried chicken sandwich came out. It was divine. It's amazing. Um, I grew up in a Cracker Barrel home, um, but it wasn't until my junior year of college that I became a Cracker Barrel influencer. Okay, I started a fan account for Cracker Barrel. You can follow me at crackerbarrel.jake. I love to post like new menu items, my review of the new menu items. Me and my friends live, laugh, loving at Cracker Barrel, have a good old time. I love to rate the servers and you know tell them they need another star on their apron. I love to uh, let you know in March that the Christmas decor is already out for the new year and that you can go buy some of that if you are interested. And it, it really just started as a bit. Like, it wasn't like a serious thing when I started this account. Me and my friends were just having a good old time. We loved Cracker Barrel. We loved to go there. It wasn't like a serious ordeal until I was in grad school. And I was sitting in class one day, and there was like a table of people in front of me. And this woman turns around, and she goes, you're Cracker Barrel Jake. My daughter loves you. And I'm like, how old's your daughter? You know what I'm saying? She was 11. So not exactly my type. But, um, but what I realized that day is that I have influence. And what I also realized that day is that there's a sixth grade girl walking around following J Cracker Barrel Jake on Instagram and knowing way too much about my personal life and what I choose to do or not do with it at Cracker Barrel. But what's, what's crazy is that that sounds like bizarre. It's like, why why are you following my account? You're literally in the sixth grade, but like that's just the way that the world works. And honestly, we don't really blink an eye. If you were to go to Instagram and go to your followers and scroll through, I'm sure you would see a lot of people that you do not know. There are a lot of people who have nothing to do. They're, they're kind of watching your life from a distance and they might like some of the things that you post. They might kind of see what you do. They might be like cheering you on in the comments, but they don't like know you. They're not living life with you. They're not walking next to you and beside you. And that's kind of the tension that last week we started this series, This Is The Way. And that's a little bit of the tension that we're kind of unraveling over the next few weeks is this idea that you can be a Christian, you can know Jesus, you can know who he is and not follow him. You can be a Christian, you can believe in Jesus and yet not follow in his way, follow the things that he did. For the early first century followers of Jesus, it was more than just believing something about Jesus. It was actually following in his way. But I think for a lot of us in 2023, we have settled for the Instagram version of following Jesus. Hey, I know who he is. I watch what he does. I see what he does in the lives of other people. I might like some things that he does occasionally, but I'm not exactly following in his way. I might have a cross necklace around my neck. I might have a little tattoo if I'm like really edgy and cool, but I don't actually live like that. What's interesting, Samer last week set this up for us and he, he taught us that the early first century followers of Jesus did not call themselves Christians. They instead called themselves followers of the way. 
that this was never intended to just be like a Sunday morning church experience where you would go and then go to Cracker Barrel for lunch. Like that was never the intention. It was never supposed to be a, hey, we're gonna come and gather on a Wednesday night and then I'm gonna go home later and for the rest of the week, I'm just gonna live the way that I wanna live. That is not, it was never the intention of following Jesus. The first words that Jesus spoke to a lot of the people who followed him was not come and believe in me, it was come and follow me. But we have watered down Christianity to simply believing about Jesus, believing who he is. And that's how you become a Christian. You become a Christian by believing in Jesus, but you be a Christian, you live like a Christian the other six days of the week by following by learning to be like him. That's why the disciples literally followed in his footsteps because they wanted to learn his way. They wanted to follow him, to be like him, to treat people like he treated people, to talk to people like he talked to people, not just to believe something about God. And I bet if I were to take a survey, if I were to go to the campus of Kennesaw State, Reinhardt, or anywhere that you might work, I bet if I took a survey of people your age, we would find a lot of people who say they follow Jesus but really they just believe in him. And the life they're living is not one that is truly following Jesus. And my fear in that is that if that is the version of Christianity that we settle for, if that is the version of Jesus that we settle for, then my fear is that we have created a version of Jesus that does not exist. A version of Jesus that cares about Oh, oh, be comfortable. Hey, 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 don't do this if it's, if it's not convenient. Hey, don't do this if it's embarrassing. Don't do this if it's gonna cause you any kind of tension with, with your roommates or your friends or your high school friends or the new friends that you met that are wanting you to do all the things on the weekend. Like, if it's gonna cause all that, like, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Just, just believe in me and we're good to go. What we have learned is that we can believe in Jesus, but follow your heart. We hear this all the time in culture, like, you do you. Like, listen to your heart when he's calling for you. <laughs> like, these are the things that we buy into. We buy into this idea that, hey, I can settle for me and on my life and my desires and what I wanna do and what my plan for my life. But the problem is, that when you are following your desires, you will get caught in a trap, in a cycle of I can't say no. It is really difficult to say no to anyone, but it is really difficult to say no to yourself, to say no to the things that you want to do, to say no to the things that, that you want to do on a weekend or you wanna do with someone or that you wanna do by yourself in your room at night. Like there are things that, that we have desires for as part of the human condition, as part of the fact that we are jacked up and broken people. There are things that are inside of us that we desire that we have such a difficult time saying no to. <laughs> like when my friends asked me like, hey, what do you wanna eat for dinner? And I'm like, I don't know. And like, what about Cracker Barrel? I'm not gonna say no, okay? I'm about to put away four biscuits with apple butter jelly, okay? It's fire. Maybe for you is the same thing happens when you walk into a Target and you have nothing on your shopping list and you're like, no, Target speaks to me. 
Some of you, you have the Chick-fil-A app and you reach signature status before January was over this year because you go every single day because it's convenient and you know what you're gonna get and the calories don't count because it's Christian chicken. (laughs) We are the generation of people that will throw a bag of pizza rolls into the microwave, girl dinner, and we will... (laughs) and we will throw those pieces of molten lava into our mouth before the timer is over. It is good. But if we've learned anything from a bag of pizza rolls, is that when we say yes to what we want, when we want it, we get burned. Saying yes, I bet if you were to really think about the past year, six months, some of you, a month since you've been in college of your life, it's it's those times that you have said yes to your desires that have led to things that you regret the most. Like what if the best years of your life are actually the years that you look back on and you regret the most because you couldn't say no? Like some of you are walking in the room tonight and you're already freaking out about your grades because you're already stumbling through a class and on the verge of of flunking out of a class because you can't say no to the late night hangs. You can't say no to scrolling through TikTok until another TikTok comes up that tells you to get off TikTok. And and you're walking in tonight and you're terrified because you're like, gosh, I've never done this poorly in my life. High school was so easy for me. And all of a sudden I'm like failing out of this class because I spend my time doing all these other things. Some of you walked into the room tonight and and you are in relationships in which you have given too much of yourself because you couldn't say no to the desires that you had to go there or just to not be broken up with. And you've gone to places and you've done things that you can't take back. For some of you, you were so concerned about fitting into a group of people that you'll show up to a party or you'll show up to a a function of of whatever kind of function that you show up to and you will make bad decision after bad decision because you are so afraid of, what if I look lame? I don't wanna be that Christian girl. I don't wanna be that Christian guy that doesn't have fun. I don't wanna be that person that gets excluded from the parties because, because I don't know how to like have a good time. I'd be willing to bet in a room like this, if I were to go around and ask you, you would all say, at least most of you would say that there are things in my life that I have done that I regret that haunt me to this day. And the question is, what if the things that you want to do are the very things that ruin you? What if the desires that are in your heart that you're trying to follow so hard because that is what makes the most sense, what if those are the things that actually end up ruining your life? Because saying no is difficult. It is so much easier to follow the crowd and follow your heart and do what everyone else is doing. It is so much easier to take the easy way to not cause tension between people in relationships and not not feel weird and, and, and not fit in. It is so much easier to just follow along. It is so much easier to take the easy way, but that is not the way of Jesus. 
In fact, Jesus himself in, in his most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about it last week. Towards the end of that sermon in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says this to the crowd that's listening. He says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. But the reason few people find it isn't exactly because it's not presented to them necessarily, but it's because it requires a choice. And you know how choices work. You say yes to something, which means you have to say no to something else. And in order to say yes to following Jesus, that often means we have to say to the things that are most difficult, saying no. And when we say no to Jesus, we say no, because that's too difficult. No, that's too costly. No, it's not comfortable. It's not convenient. What if you're saying yes to destruction? The first time that Jesus was telling his followers what was gonna have to happen to him, they were so confused. This is um, in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is having this conversation and this is the very first time that he is telling them, hey, something's gonna happen to me. And this is what he says in verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. Jesus had come to the earth on this mission to save the world. And if you were a Jew, if you were ethnically Jewish and you kind of grew up learning the laws and learning a lot of, of what we call the Old Testament, if you had learned a lot of those things, you would have known that God was going to send a savior. Like that was something that, that everyone knew, but the idea of what people had of a savior was like this mighty warrior who was gonna come riding in on this like fiery chariot into the city of Jerusalem and, and destroy the Roman empire. But when Jesus came, he wasn't as concerned about saving them from their political oppression as he was saving them from themselves. It wasn't necessarily about saving these, these people from Rome, it was about saving them from them. He didn't come to give us political freedom, he came to give us spiritual freedom. But it comes at a cost. And it didn't really, really make sense to any of the disciples as, as they're listening to this. And Peter, one of the disciples looks at Jesus and he says this, verse 22, Peter took him aside, took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And it wasn't that Peter had bad intentions. It wasn't that Peter was trying to be evil, but Peter has literally followed along the way of Jesus. He has seen Jesus do miracles. He has seen Jesus raise people from the dead. He's seen Jesus heal people who have been unable to walk for years. He has seen Jesus do all these crazy things. He's like, you can literally do anything. Why does it have to be so costly? You're Jesus. You can snap your fingers, do your step. You can do it all by yourself. There's an easier way. But what Peter was saying to Jesus without saying it to Jesus was, hey, my way is better. I, I know an easier way and that's the better way. 
And then Jesus looked at him. Verse 23, it says, but he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus isn't trying to be rude or mean or, or abrupt. But what he's saying is that, hey, like the work that I have to do to save the world, that you trying to step into that, you trying to, to convince me otherwise, you trying to, to, to get me to avoid it or sidestep it, because it's easy to avoid the work that I came here to do, that could only be the work of Satan himself. So no, Peter, your way isn't better. Just because it's easy does not make it better. No, Peter, I can't do that. I must go to Jerusalem and I must suffer and I must be killed because that is going to lead to life for the entire world. And I'm imagining the, uh, the other disciples that are kind of over on the side and they're like, tough. But just so they're all on the same page, Jesus walks over to them and he says this, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Hey, if anyone wants to follow me, hey, if there's anyone who wants to, to, to follow my way of life, to come and see, to come and experience, to come and be a part of what I am doing. Here's the invitation. It's not something that you're gonna drift casually into. It's not something that he's going to force you into. It is an invitation that you have to accept. But accepting it comes at a cost. And it's yourself. It's your desires. You have to deny yourself. And, and, and don't hear me say that that means that we like hate ourselves or we like self-loathe. That doesn't mean that we like, you know, think less of ourselves. It just means that we think of ourselves less. That we recognize that it is not about me. I'll, I'll say it this way. Self-denial is renouncing the centrality and the priority of self. I am not the center what I want is not the priority. My needs do not come first. That is what he's saying by deny yourself. I'm gonna stop focusing on myself so much. I'm gonna stop focusing so much on what people think about me. I'm gonna stop focusing so much on, on, on the way that I am perceived and, and the way that, that I do things. I'm gonna stop focusing so much on my outward appearance. I'm gonna stop focusing so much on myself. I mean, let's just be honest. How many people are happy that you know that only focus on themselves. I know for me, my deepest anxieties in my life have come from the times when I am so focused on myself. That's literally why it's called self-conscious. And Jesus is saying there's a better way. You don't even have to be a Christian to recognize the fact that there is a self that needs to be denied that there is a self inside of you and inside of me that needs to be told no. It's the self that shows up in that relationship and you walk into it and you're like, well, what's in it for me? How's it gonna make me feel? 
What's it gonna make me look like to other people? And you're so concerned about, about your side of the relationship, what you can receive and not how you can serve and how you can love the other person. It's the self that, that shows up to the party. And you're so concerned with how people are gonna see you and perceive you that you will do anything, you will say anything. You will treat people a certain way just to fit in. You will talk so much crap about other people because if you don't, and if you try and stop it, people might be like, ah, she's not chill. Like we can't talk to her about that kind of stuff. There's a self that needs to be denied. For me, when I was in college, it was, it was the self that, I think I probably can count on my hands how many times I went home the four years that I was in college. Because what I had going on this weekend is way more important than going home to spend time with my family. What I have going on tonight is way more important than picking up the phone to call my mom. There's a self that needs to be denied. But you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus in the room to know that, yeah, 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 if you're a Christian, if you're like following Jesus, there's certain things that you are and you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to treat people a certain way. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But following Jesus is actually more than that. As if that wasn't difficult enough. Following Jesus also means that I have to give up my hopes and my dreams and my desires and, and the, the plans and the will that I have for my life. If it is not the will that Jesus has for my life, then it has to die too. Dying to yourself means that you look at Jesus and you're like, hey, if me living the life that I wanna live is no longer an option, I still choose you. Self-denial, it is a surrender of your whole self. Not just the parts that are convenient, not just the parts that aren't gonna cause tension, not just the parts that are gonna still make you look cool, not the parts that are gonna mean you don't have to wake up early. Like, like it is a denial of your whole self, every piece of your life. That's what it looks like to deny yourself, it's to surrender. This word surrender, it literally means to cease resistance and submit to authority. Hey, I'm gonna stop fighting the plans that Jesus has for my life and I'm going to submit to his way because it is better. You're like, okay, Jake, well, how do I do that? Well, the good news is Jesus tells us, the bad news is it's not very fun. In fact, the rest of that verse, Matthew 16, verse 24, it says this, it says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this would have taken the breath out of their lungs because the cross wasn't a piece of jewelry, it wasn't a tattoo, it wasn't a bumper sticker. It was the most gruesome and humiliating form of persecution, of execution, practiced by the Roman Empire. In fact, it was literally so inhumane that the Romans wouldn't do it to other Roman citizens because it was too much. But what would happen is that when you were to be crucified, you would take your cross that you were later going to be nailed to, two pieces of wood that have been nailed together, you would have to carry it some distance to the place of your execution. You are carrying your own death sentence. What he's saying to the disciples is, hey, something has to die. 
your selfishness, your self-seeking, the self-centeredness, you putting yourself at the center and making yourself a priority. If you want to follow me, it has to die. Jesus never hid the fact that following him had a cost. That it's gonna cost you your comfort. It's gonna cost you a lot of convenience. It might cost you your status. It will cost you your idea of what it means to live a full life. For as long as I could remember, um, I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> like when I was in the third grade and you were like, yo, like it's be what you wanna be when you grow up day at school. Like I would come as a doctor. That's, that's all I ever wanted to be. And so I graduated high school. I went to the University of Georgia. Go dog, sick woof, woof. And I studied biology because I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> and I was good at it. I made straight A's. I, I found it enjoyable. It was very natural to me. It was fun. Learning was fun, which is a wild concept. But I loved it. And I was so excited. And so my junior year, I was studying for the MCAT, the medical college admissions test. And, and I just remember having this feeling like something is unsettled. And I kind of wrote it off as just like, oh, it's just test anxiety. I'm just like, you know, nervous. And it's, this is like a really big deal. This test is a really big deal for my future. And so I kind of wrote it off. But, but as I was studying for the test, I just kept thinking, this isn't it. And I don't really know how to explain that to you, except for the fact that I just felt so unsettled and, and not nervous for the future, but terrified of it. Because I didn't want to get into something and then be like, man, this isn't what I thought it was, or this isn't, this isn't, the fullness that I could be experiencing. And I just had this thought in my mind, like, man, what if God actually has more in store for my life? But I'd spent the last, I don't know, 15 years studying, working hard, working my tail off so that I could set myself up well to go to a great school and set myself up for a great career. I didn't wanna throw that away. But I just had this thought, but what if what I have in mind for my life is too small? And so around the same time, I had heard about this program called the residency. And it is a uh, program where you work part-time at a local church and then you uh, take school like classes full-time, like a master's degree from, from a seminary to study to be a pastor. And I just didn't think about it too much. And I just applied and was like, well, we'll see where this goes. And after some conversations, I was accepted to that. And so I sat at this crossroads of like, hey, here are all the dreams and all the plans and everything I've ever had for my life. All the things that are comfortable, all the things that are convenient, all the things that I know. I had been accepted to medical school. Like the door was wide open. But then here sat this crazy idea that everyone in my life was like, you are an idiot if you don't go to school. You are so foolish to give that away. You have worked so hard. It's not that easy for everyone. And I didn't know what to do. So I was reading in the book of Luke 
um, one day I was just sitting on these two decisions and I was reading uh, Luke chapter five is uh, the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. And if you grew up in church, you might know the story, but um, there was a group of fishermen and they had been fishing all night and they had casted their nets out. They had caught nothing all night, which is when you're supposed to fish because it's cool and the fish are closer to the surface. And, and so they had, they had pulled their boats um, over and they were like, you know what, we're done for the day. The sun had come up, it was over. It was, it was time to, to go home for the day. And Jesus steps into their boat. And he's like, let's go out, let's, let's try that again. And it was, it was a ridiculous idea because that's not the time of the day you're supposed to fish. Every fisherman would have known that, but they, they did it anyway. They're like, okay, sure, it's not gonna hurt anything. And so they, they threw their nets out and they caught more than they could have ever imagined. They filled their boats with fish. It was the jackpot. And then Jesus looks at them and he's like, Come follow me. And I'm like, you would be absurd to give up. This is everything you've ever wanted. Every, fisher, every fisherman dreams of a catch like this. You could have made so much money. You've never maybe caught this much fish in your life and it's all sitting here right in front of you. Go take it to the market. Go sell it. Go live the life that you've always dreamed of living. And Jesus says, follow me. And I'll never forget reading this. This is Luke chapter five, verse 11. It says, it says, so they brought their boats to shore and they left everything and they followed him. Everything that was comfortable, everything that they knew, everything that, everything that they had ever wanted in their life was sitting in their boat. They left it all the fish, the boats, their families. They left everything. And I remember reading this and um, I have this note that I wrote in my Bible and I wrote beside this verse, I said, I'm giving up medical school today. And then there's a date, December 10th, 2019. And then on August 24th of 2020, I started the residency program at a church that you may have heard of. It's called Woodstock City Church. And I worked here on our high school team. And then a year later, um, I became the director of a high school ministry at one of our other campuses. And I'm like, I never saw myself standing on a stage like this. It wasn't in the cards in my, in my playbook. I'll never forget on the, the first day of the residency, we go on like a retreat with all the residents and one of the leaders of the program was kind of giving us like a, a, a talk similar to, to this. And he said a phrase that I will never forget. He looked at us, there was 13 of us in our class. He looked at us and, and he said this, he said, welcome to death. Happy first day of school. And over the last three years, this has become more and more true for me every single day. That me stepping into the calling that Jesus had for my life, me following Jesus where he had for my life, it has cost me. Things have had to die. My comfort, my convenience, it had to die. I have said no to so I've said no to like spending Christmas Eve with my family because we have Christmas Eve services. I've said no to like hanging out with my friends late on a Saturday night because I get to get up at the 
booty crack of dawn on a Sunday morning. I've said no to purchasing anything from Lululemon unless it's from Poshmark. I've said no to living a lifestyle that all of my friends are doing and it looks like they are living it up. And I said, no. But I've never felt more alive. I'm having the time of my life. What if something has to die for you to truly live? What if yourself has to die for you to truly live? In fact, this is the way Jesus wraps up this conversation in Matthew 16 with his, with his disciples. In uh, chapter 16, verse 25, he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Like you can try to like accumulate stuff for yourself. You can try to gain the whole world. You never will. And one day you're gonna wake up and you're gonna realize that you are surrounded by a bunch of stuff. And yet it's not enough. You'll walk into a room one day and you'll be surrounded by all these friends that you've made and all these people who, who you have grown to. They, they love you for the things that you have and the things that you do, but they don't actually know you and love you for who you are. You might live, but you will not be alive. There is a cost to following Jesus. If not, you might not be doing it right. But what if there's a greater cost not to? What if the best years of your life truly were the best years of your life because you said no? What if you look back on the season and you're like, yeah, 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 those four or five years that I spent in college or in this like college age season of my life, like those were the best years of my life because I said no to myself and I walked out on the other side and I'm a better son, I'm a better daughter, I'm a better brother, I'm a better sister, I'm a better follower of Jesus and one day I'm gonna be a better husband, I'm gonna be a better wife, I'm gonna be a better dad or a better mom because I taught myself how to say no so that I could love the people around me better because that's what following Jesus is all about. It's about reminding people there's a God who loves them and is for them. That there's a God who cares about them. And we show them that by the way that we care about them, but we can't do that when all we do is focus on ourselves. This can be the best years of your life, but it might be the best years for a different reason than you think. What if, what if Jesus is right? What if the selfless life is actually more life? What if the selfless life is more life? Not more by the world's standards, not more money, not more fame, not more success, not more promotions necessarily, not more friends necessarily, but what if your life actually meant more because there was someone on the other side that someone else can look back in their life and be like, my life is better because that person said no to themselves 
and they saw me and they cared for me and they loved me because they took their eyes off of themselves. Jesus says, this is the way. If you wanna follow me, this is the way. To deny yourself, take up your cross and follow. But the really ironic part about this is that yeah, you, you will get more life. You will feel more full. I've never felt more full than, than the days that I wake up and I don't make it about me. Those are the days that I look back and I'm like, that was an amazing day. And I lived my best life. But the more life isn't for you. It's for your roommates who forgot to take out the trash again. They forgot to wash the dishes again. And you, and you have a choice to... to, to get frustrated with them and lash out at them or maybe say nothing and hold a grudge over their heads and not have a conversation about it. Like you, like you, you can do all of those things, but what would it look like to be like, you know what, I'm just gonna take out the trash anyway. And I'm not gonna hold it against you. I'm just gonna do it. You have an opportunity to, to give more life to the friends in your circles the, the, the people that you live with every single day, the people that you do life with, the people that maybe are in your small groups here at, here at TLR, people that you go to class with or go to the gym with or play intramural sports with, like you have an opportunity to give them more life. Maybe all it takes is like, hey, I'm just not gonna talk about myself today. I'm just gonna ask you questions about you because I wanna know about your day and what's going on in your life. You have an opportunity to give more life to the relationships that you're in by leading people well, saying no to your desires so that you can hear like, hey, like, man, let's sit down and talk about like our hopes and dreams for our future. Like, man, like, let's talk about like, where did I see God in my life today? And you can lead the people that you're in a relationship with in a way that has nothing to do necessarily with sexual intimacy, but everything to do with the fact that there's a God who wants to know them intimately. You have an opportunity to provide more life to the people at your campus, in your workplace. Man, I love the, the heartbeat behind TLR that this is a home away from home, but, but there's a lot more people. I know the room is full, but there are a lot more people who you walk the halls with and, and the sidewalks with every single day and they need a home away from home too. I mean, what if you saying, you know what, I'm gonna lay down my pride and, and the embarrassment I might feel. And I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna invite somebody. Because this, this place, as much as I get out of it, it's not about me. I'm not the center of this place. My experience is not the center of this place. Dying to yourself is not an option if you want to follow Jesus. He says, hey, this is the way. If you wanna follow me, it's costly, but this is the way. It's costly and it's worth it. But I also know in a room like this, there's probably some of you who'd be like, hey, Jake, that sounds great for somebody else. But like, I'm not really interested in that. I, I just came because there was free food or like, I just came because a cute girl invited me. Like, I'm not really here for all of that. Man, my invitation to you is, hey, what if you just tried it? You don't have to believe in Jesus to love people well. You don't have to believe in Jesus to say no to yourself. What's the worst thing that can happen? You care about people more? You don't think about yourself as often? 
what would it look like for you to surrender? What would it look like for you to say, hey, there's some things in my life that I need to die to. There's some things in my life that they have to die. And so that's the question. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to sit on this. Because it's a scary question. But I want you to write down or, or type it in your phone or, or text it to yourself or to someone else. I want, you to, I want you to write down this question. What has to die in my life for me to find life? What has to die? And then I just want you to try it this week. Maybe it's, it's something in a relationship. Maybe it's something in a friendship. Maybe it's the way that you talk to your parents. Maybe, I don't, I don't know what it is for you. You don't have to like change your whole career path and then go into ministry to follow Jesus. Maybe it's just the little simple things that you can do. And so this week, I just want you to try it. And I would be willing to bet you'll show up next week and you'll be like, man, that was so worth it. I found more life because it wasn't about me. This is the way. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you that we can come to a space like this. God, that we can meet together. God, that we can worship, that we can sing to you. God, we can walk in with, with whatever we're dealing with. God, we can walk in with all of the crap <laughs> that sometimes we, we face in life and we can bring that into these places and we can lay it down. God, I pray that that posture of laying things down would not be unfamiliar to us. God, every single day we would wake up and we would lay things down at your feet and say, it's not about me. It always has been and always will be about you. So God, I pray for all of us, myself included, that this week you would show us a way that we can follow your way. The, the way that leads to life, even if it means death. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for Jesus and the example that he set that he didn't just tell us to do this. He didn't just tell us to take up his cross and follow him, but he actually did that literally, that he took the cross upon him so that we can follow his example and lay our lives down for the people around us. God, we love you so much. And it's in your name we pray, amen.